0: letter twelve of moral letters to lucilius by lucius and seneca translated by richard m Gummier. this LibriVox recording is in the public domain on old age whenever i turn i see evidences of my advancing years i visited lately my country place and protested against the money which was spent on the tumble-down building my bailiff maintained that the flaws were not due to his own carelessness He was doing everything possible, but the house was old. And this was the house which grew under my own hands. What has the future in store for me if stones of my own age are already crumbling? I was angry, and I embraced the first opportunity to vent my spleen on the bailiff's presence. It is clear, I cried, that these plane-trees are neglected. They have no leaves. Their branches are so gnarled and shriveled. The boles are so rough and unkempt. This would not happen if someone loosened the earth at their feet and watered them. The bailiff swore by my protecting deity that he was doing everything possible and never relaxed his efforts, but those trees were old. Between you and me I planted those trees myself. I had seen them in their first leaf. Then I turned to the door and asked, "'Who is that broken-down dotard?" You have done well to place him at the entrance, for he is outward bound.' where did you get him what pleasure did it give you to take up for burial some other man's dead but the slave said don't you know me sir i am felicio you used to bring me little images my father was Philosistus, the steward and i am your pet slave the man is clean crazy i remarked has my pet slave become a little boy again but it is quite possible his teeth are just dropping out i owe it to my country place that my old age became apparent whithersoever i turned let us cherish and love old age for it is full of pleasure if one knows how to use it fruits are most welcome when almost over youth is most charming at its close the last drink delights the toper the glass which souses him and puts the finishing touch on his drunkenness each pleasure reserves to the end the greatest delights which it contains life is most delightful when it is on the downward slope but has not yet reached the abrupt decline and i myself believe that the period which stands so to speak on the edge of the roof possesses pleasures of its own or else the very fact of our not wanting pleasures has taken the place of the pleasures themselves how comforting it is to have tired out one's appetites and to have done with them. But, you say, it is a nuisance to be looking death in the face. Death, however, should be looked in the face by young and old alike. We are not summoned according to our rating on the censor's list. Moreover, no one is so old that it would be improper for him to hope for another day of existence. And one day, mind you, is a stage on life's journey. Our span of life is divided into parts, it consists of large circles enclosing smaller, one circle embraces and bounds the rest, it reaches from birth to the last day of existence, the next circle limits the period of our young manhood, the third confines all of childhood in its circumference, again there is, in a class by itself, the year, It contains within itself all the divisions of time by the multiplication of which we get the total of life. The month is bounded by a narrower ring. The smallest circle of all is the day. But even a day has its beginning and its ending, its sunrise and its sunset. Hence Heraclitus, whose obscure style gave him his surname, remarked, One day is equal to every day different persons have interpreted the saying in different ways some hold that days are equal in number of hours and this is true for if by day we mean twenty-four hours time all days must be equal inasmuch as the night acquires what the day loses but others maintain that one day is equal to all days through resemblance because the very longest space of time possesses no element which cannot be found in a single day, namely light and darkness. And even to eternity day makes these alternations more numerous, not different when it is shorter and different again when it is longer. Hence, every day ought to be regulated as if it closed the series, as if it rounded out and completed our existence. Pecuvius, who by long occupancy made Syria his own, used to hold a regular burial sacrifice in his own honor with wine and the usual funeral feasting and then would have himself carried from the dining-room to his chamber while eunuchs applauded and sang in greek to a musical accompaniment he has lived his life he has lived his life thus pacuvius had himself carried out to burial every day let us however Do from a good motive what he used to do from a debased motive. Let us go to our sleep with joy and gladness. Let us say, I have lived. The course which fortune set for me is finished. And if God is pleased to add another day, we should welcome it with glad hearts. That man is happiest, and is secure in his own possession of himself, who can await the morrow without apprehension. When a man has said, i have lived every morning he arises he receives a bonus but now i ought to close my letter what you say shall it come to me without any little offering be not afraid it brings something nay more than something a great deal for what is more noble than the following saying of which i make this letter the bearer it is wrong to live under constraint but no man is constrained to live under constraint.' "'Of course not. On all sides lie many short and simple paths to freedom, and let us thank God that no man can be kept in life. We may spurn the very constraints that hold us.' "'Epicurus,' you reply, uttered these words, "'what are you doing with another's property?' "'Any truth I maintain is my own property.' I shall continue to heap quotations from Epicurus upon you, so that all persons who swear by the words of another, and put a value upon the speaker and not upon the thing spoken, may understand that the best ideas are common property. Farewell! End of letter twelve. Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.